Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Alongside the always informative Troy Wilson, we should have Nkishi Free here coming soon. Um, it's going to be a great weekend of college football. We also have the uh, women's gridiron uh, playoffs in Australia. We're going to have FX Mexico as well as Lexpa, who was featured uh, during the week of the uh, Mexico Bowl, which was the NFL International game between the Raiders and the Texans. So there was pretty exciting news there and some of the coverage that was from the from the states as well. And so uh, it's going to be a big weekend going on here. And, Troy, uh, you got to be happy. Redskins, big winners this weekend. The media is, is sort of – taking the Redskins seriously right now. Um, you know, especially when you go ahead and you get a big win and then you outscore, um, you know, the always great Aaron Rodgers. And and so now you have this clash coming up where, you know, even if the Redskins really didn't get the spotlight, I mean, you can't help but get the spotlight with the red-hot Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, you got to go into um, – you got to go into Dallas and, and play that juggernaut. And, and the weird thing is, is, like, you know, this is a great rivalry week here, but when was the last time that these two teams were really good at this point in time? So, I mean, it just gives a new meaning to the rivalry. And, 
you know, with the Redskins playing the way they are and the Cowboys playing the way they are, this is really must-see TV. So I know everyone talked about the ratings, you know, earlier in the season, but it seems like now, especially where, you know, playoff positioning is, you know, people are starting to, you know, teams are starting to jockey for playoff positioning. You're going to start to see the ratings uh, ramp up, and I think it's really going to start um, getting even higher, especially on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, and uh, you know Baltimore put up a fight against the Cowboys, but uh, it is it, this is probably the most I would say the most interesting matchup to date because given Dallas's uh, efforts that's put out so far, and then uh, Washington just hanging around, and now you really see the Redskins sort of kind of separate themselves from the pack from from Philadelphia and obviously New York, the Giants probably being the only other. Uh, team that we would have to keep an eye on within the next couple of weeks to see if they make any moves and then, uh, but it's a tight division. Yeah, I mean from top to bottom. I mean even with Philadelphia being five and five right now, I mean they're still hanging in there. And, and listen, no one really expected much from that Philadelphia team, especially after they uh, traded away Sam Bradford right before the season started, and they decided they were going to go with Carson Wentz at, as a starting quarterback. So when you saw you know, initially when you looked at the season and you said to yourself, the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to do much and the Tony Romo went down and you felt like the Cowboys weren't going to do much. And then, you know, the Redskins, they've been inconsistent over the years. I mean, they won the division last year, but, you know, um, and they ended the, re- the season pretty hot, but they didn't pretty up, put up much of a fight in the playoffs. They didn't beat a winning team and the Giants hadn't been to playoffs four years straight. So a lot of people, you know, started to give the moniker the NFC lease, but this is now that, that great turnaround where you see all of the teams, they're they're pretty competitive, and, and no one really wants to play either any of those four teams at this moment because, I mean, you never know. I mean, think about it like this. While the Philadelphia Eagles have struggled past game, but when you had some of the hottest teams in the NFL, when they went to Philadelphia, they all got beat. You had the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went in there. They got beat. Um, you also had uh, the Minnesota Vikings. They were 5-0. and They went to Philadelphia, and they got destroyed. I mean, this is the type of team that they are. So no team is really to be taken lightly in that division. Now, and as we, as we roll into college football, nothing really changed in terms of the rankings, but you did have some, uh, some good matchups during this uh, past week. So some of, the, uh, some of the games really interesting in terms of uh, – you know, the rankings themselves being, you know, not so much a factor, but you do have some teams that are moving up. So um, Ohio State remains second, right by Michigan and Clemson. Then you got Washington uh, rounds up the top five after moving up one spot. Um, I guess the biggest loser this week would be Louisville, if anything, right, because they, they, they dropped almost six spots to number 11 um, with that loss to Houston, which – uh, did you see that coming at this point? Nobody really saw that that was going to happen, but it did happen. Well, I mean, that was one of my games to look at, um, you know, uh, coming into that week. They were going to play that Friday night. And the thing about it was in the beginning of the season, that was actually one of my must-see games because initially Houston was highly ranked. Um, they had beat a great Oklahoma team, and they shot up the rankings. And if it weren't lost for if it weren't for those – uh, pretty bad losses that they had, one against Navy. Um, you know, and Navy's a great team, but when they lost to Navy, that, that really dropped them out of the rankings. And I thought, like, after they beat Oklahoma, they would pretty much have a, 
a free run at the college playoff, but they dropped those two games and, you know, they kind of went off the map for a little bit, but listen, that team that they have, I mean, they're about as dynamic as you can get their coach, uh, Jim Herman. He is actually the hottest coach in America right now. Um, the university of Texas is kind of touting him as possibly their next coach. Uh, he's my interview for the Louisville position, uh, excuse me, the uh, LSU uh, position. He's going to really get some uh, looks at some high-profile jobs. And then you have their quarterback, Greg Ward. I mean, the guy, man, he he, he could have been a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, if not for the losses. But the kid is about as dynamic as you can as you can uh, see in college football. The only person that's really been um, uh, taking the shine off of him is, of course, Lamar Jackson. But in that game, he outshined Lamar Jackson through and through. But, I mean, just to watch that team come back up and now they're they're back into the top 25 rankings after beating that Louisville team, I'm really not surprised about the success that they had. But, I mean, well, excuse me, I'm not surprised that they won the game, but I was surprised at how much of a margin that they beat them by. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting week next week because also the, you're looking at the Buckeyes and Wolverines to, uh, to face off in Columbus, so that's going to be very exciting. Um, so for the fans, you guys can dive in at Gridiron Beauty on uh, Twitter, and we follow pretty much every major outlet in terms of keeping up with the uh, college football scene from ESPN, USA Today, to uh, NCAA football, uh, official NCAA football, uh, as well as our network partner, Taclio on, on uh, Twitter. So um, what do you think of next week, uh, Troy? It's going to be Michigan taking on Ohio State. This could open the door for, I guess, Washington or even maybe Wisconsin, right, to move into uh, move into more of a uh, up the ladder? Uh, more than likely, it will be uh, Penn State. And if Michigan loses this game, that actually moves Penn State into the Big Ten championship game. Um, and, and that's because Penn State beat Ohio State head-to-head, and they would actually end the season on, on a better record. Um, and, and so that actually creates a, a great dynamic because it, that would really be one of the only ways you would get two Big Ten teams in. And so that would actually effectively keep Ohio State out of the Big Ten championship game. And the only way that they can get in, the uh, only way that Ohio State will be able to get into the Big Ten championship game would be to beat Michigan and that the whole Penn State loses to Michigan State. And then Penn State is playing their game at home. Michigan State is 3-8 and eight this year. They're on a really down year. So Penn State is really hoping that Ohio State goes in and beats Michigan. Uh, but that is absolutely the biggest game of the week, uh, the weekend, and, and as usual. Because, I mean, at the end of the year, you all, that is the biggest game. It's Michigan-Ohio State. And when these two teams are highly ranked, and right now they're ranked number two and number three in the nation, it doesn't get any better than that. Big Ten football is probably going to be some bad weather out there. And you got two teams that absolutely, without a doubt, do not like each other. There's really no friendliness in this game. But this is, in college football, this is the big rivalry week. You're going to start to see a lot of these matchups coming on, coming around. This is the big week where Auburn uh, goes into Tuscaloosa and they plays Alabama. So this is the when you see these interstate rivalries. You also have South Carolina and Clemson. And they're not going to be as, as big a game because South Carolina is down a little bit this year. But when it comes to these rivalry games, you never know how it's going to pan out because you have so much hatred, so much vitriol on each side of the ball. 
and you never know how these things can pan out at the end. So if you're looking at the Sooners and Cowboys, uh, obviously they're going to go for the Big 12 championship, but uh, between them, it, they are basically have to hope that something happens within the last couple final two weeks, right, for them to even maybe make the field. Well, with the Sooners, I mean, what the Sooners have going for them is that they're undefeated in their in their conference, and so they have that really going well for them. I mean, and the two losses that they've had were one was against Houston, and I believe the other one was against Ohio State, and those are what you would call again good losses. So Houston was very hot at the time, and and so was Ohio State. They just you know Ohio State came into that game and they were pretty hot. So, you know, they lost at what you would determine as the right time. So Oklahoma really has a, a really good chance of winning this game. But this is, again, one of these rivalry games because this one is called Bedlam. That You know, it's just a simple – that's what they called it, you know. And so Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, have you seen crazier things happen in this game? You know, you've had, you know, times where Oklahoma is a big favorite and they come in and they just, you know, they get destroyed by the Cowboys. And Oklahoma State runs away with it, and you've seen it vice versa. Both of these teams are extremely dynamic on offense. You got D.D. Westbrook um, with uh, uh, Oklahoma, and then you have um, uh, you have James Washington for Oklahoma State. Two extremely dynamic wide receivers. Both of these guys are going to be playing on Sundays. You got quarterbacks that are going to air it out. You're not going to really see a whole lot of defense in this game, but this week. If you don't know about college football and you are interested in getting into it, this is the week that you go ahead and you tune into pretty much every game that you can because you're going to see a lot of a lot of great football played out there. Now, so interstate rivalry is really on the line when the Sooners and the Cowboys get in together. So, and, and based on the rankings, they're they're eight and ten respectively. So, this 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 is really a big game. Oh, yeah, it's huge. I mean, the state of Oklahoma doesn't get any better than this. I mean, especially since neither one of these teams have pro teams because, you know, if they did have, you know, since they neither want, since that state does not have any pro teams when it comes to football, this is it. This is it. This is what you live for. If you are a fan of Oklahoma State, you do not like the Oklahoma Sooners. And if you are the Oklahoma Sooners, you hate anything involving Cowboys unless you go into the NFL. So, I mean, that's what you have here. They call it Bedlam because you never know what's going to happen. It's just going to be a, a wild and crazy shootout game, and this is what you live for if you're a college football fan. So, week 13, Troy, really it's a precursor to who's going to get in, who's going who's gonna to be bowl eligible at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, when you look at it, it's, it's sort of like a mini playoff game. And when you see these, right. you, know, you know, these games show up, it's almost like the playoff game is almost a buzzkill. I mean, you've seen that, you know, the past few years in the Big Ten championship game, you got one team that pretty much blows out the other team. Uh, you've seen Ohio State just really run up numbers on, uh, I believe, no, you, uh, it was, um, who did they play last year? Uh, no, it was Iowa that played last year. And that was actually a pretty close game. But then the year before that, you saw a team like Wisconsin, you know, put up maybe put up 50 points on, you know, an outmanned uh, Nebraska team. And so it's almost like a buzzkill for those, you know, for those playoff games because that end-of-the-year game traditionally 
is the biggest rivalry that you have. And then you also have the Florida-Florida State rivalry. That's going to be played 15 against 14. Again, both of these teams are highly ranked, but they're not as high, they're not as ranked as high as they usually are. I mean, in the past, in the 90s and the 2000s, both of these teams will be either ranked number one or number two or number three, somewhere around that time. So even with the, being ranked 15 and 14 right now, huge game in the state of Florida, another group of guys that just flat out do not like each other. So if we're going to be billing the, the, the weekend this week, huge uh, viewership in other words, right? Because you got to like literally pick and choose what you want or you go a little crazy and start watching just about everything. So uh, number one, USA Today ESPN has obviously number four, taking on number two this weekend, Saturday. Uh, it'll be on ESPN, of course. Um, so that's one of the big matchups that we're going to look at, uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, team. And then you have uh, at number two, everybody, from what my notes are, you know, I got taken here. Number five, Washington, taking on number 23, Washington State. There's the, the battle for Washington, just like we had the Cowboys and the Sooners discussion here. So that's going to be on Friday, and that's on Fox. And then uh, the number three matchup in week 13 uh, would, be, would be number 20, Utah, taking on number nine, Colorado. And we've talked at length about Colorado and that squad. So, and, and you've, you've, uh, you've come across in the last couple of weeks the same way that uh, they could be a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, I've, I've just, just the way that they scared the hell out of Michigan. I mean, I knew that team was a very good team and they came up with a, with a huge win last weekend. And, you know, and what they're trying to do is solidify themselves in the Pac-12 championship game. I believe they're already in it, but this would just make it even more solid if they beat a number ranked, a ranked number 22 Utah team. I mean, they have everything going for them. And so what they have to do is, is hope that they win this game against Utah because if they don't and then USC beats a, a really down Notre Dame team, then um, then USC will end up going into the, the Pac-12 uh, South championship game because they beat Colorado head-to-head. So very important matchups. And also USC and uh, Notre Dame is another huge rivalry. I mean, Notre Dame has so many rivalries, and their rivalry stretch around the country. If you look to Notre Dame, they have a rivalry with Michigan. They have a rivalry with USC. They have a rivalry with Stanford, Navy, uh, Florida State. I mean, this, these, you know, these are the rivalries that you see, and, but this is one of their biggest ones. So USC, they've also been on a huge roll. They've finally gotten some things going when they switched quarterbacks. From, they switched uh, from uh, Max Brown to Sam Darnold, who was a freshman. This guy's 6'4". He's 225 pounds. He's athletic. The guy can absolutely spin it. So USC is, is on a great track right now, and they are red hot. So Colorado really – and they're also a red hot team. So they just have to make sure that they go ahead and they put the boots to Utah – and they'll end up in the championship game, and they'll likely end up playing the winner between Washington and Washington State, who these guys are going to go head-to-head in, in the Apple Cup. It's a lot at stake this weekend, a lot of positioning that's going to be jockeying. Again, I cannot stress this anymore than I have already have. This is the week to yeah. watch college football because there's so many Seriously, things and then you also have... moving and shaking this week. You got Michigan State taking on Penn State. Uh, you know, so that's a, a big game too as well. Um, you also have 
Uh, let me see, top five. I wrote all these down because it's just like it's like a storm of uh, excitement. It's sort of like uh, an electrical charge. Uh, Florida, Florida, number 13, Florida, taking on 14, Florida State. There's another in, interstate battle. Um, just, just, I mean, just thrilling. And if you want to look at it, just, a, it, it is the week if you want to get into college because it's, it's just a lot of rivalries built into it. Yeah. I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> so, I mean, no, seriously. I'm like, I don't even, yeah. I, I can tell you when I wrote it down, I'm like, I got to ask Troy, which ones I need to narrow it down to because it's literally top 10 and it's, and they're all pretty uh, exciting and intriguing games. Yeah, man, and you know, I mean, even the even the games where you know you don't have really two juggernauts playing against each other, where you have Tennessee versus Vanderbilt, that's a rivalry in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Vanderbilt, they five, they're five and six right now, and if Vanderbilt wins a game against Tennessee and they're playing at home, and Vanderbilt is a tough out, they're a very tough defensive team. Now, if Vanderbilt wins this game, they're actually bowl eligible because to be become bowl eligible, you have to win six games in your season. And so this is a huge game for Vanderbilt. This is a rivalry game. Tennessee was all they – were, they were, you know, winning so many close games, and it kind of went off the rails when they played, um, when they played uh, Alabama. And so you want to you be able to try to catch them if you're Vanderbilt. And they ha- they're trying to build a solid program, and this will go a long way for them to go ahead and, and, and become bowl eligible. Stanford, another team where, you know, you didn't – in the beginning of the year when they lost to Washington, and they were just – they had their doors blown off. How are they going to respond? And they've quietly crept back into the top 25, and now they're ranked number 24. They're playing against Rice. They're playing against Rice at home, and that's not a rivalry game. But it's a very important game because watching how Stanford has now come back up, you know, and bought themselves back up, you have to love the way that Stanford has acquitted themselves during the year. It's just a lot to to process in college football, but it's just that much exciting. You're not going to be able to watch them all. But, listen, if you have a remote control, please flip back and forth and watch your your feeds and everything because this is so much excitement that you have at this time of year. So, Troy, out of all this, Nobody's going to bounce Alabama at this point, right? I mean, are they running the table? Well, see, and that's that's the beauty of this week because, you know, a lot of teams when you see when you hear Alabama, I mean, that that just brings some kind of it brings a fear factor to it. They do have a mystique about them, you know. Alabama is 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 the absolute gold standard when it comes to college football in the past few years. But the one team that is not afraid of them is that Auburn Tigers team. Now, Auburn has some tough losses this year, but all of that kind of goes out of the window, okay? Now, they're going into Tuscaloosa. All of that goes out of the window because in, the, in years past, you've seen this Auburn team come up, and they've, they've upset an Alabama team. Most of you all can remember the, the missed field goal. You know, it ended up short, and Chris Davis ran it back for a touchdown to upset Alabama in the very final play of the game. These are the kind of things that you see in college football. So when it comes down to it, they are really not afraid of that Alabama team. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that the Auburn Tigers could absolutely upset Alabama in Tuscaloosa. The other matchup you got is Nebraska, you know, state by state, Nebraska, Iowa. Now, Iowa, not such a, you know, big program, but Nebraska being a huge program. So number 15, this is really 
uh, a, a win that Nebraska needs to have and not really take Iowa lightly at this point. Well, Nebraska has had an incredible season, and no one really expected that from them. Uh, you know, uh, you know, with the juggernauts with Michigan and Ohio State, and they actually expected more from Iowa after Iowa went undefeated last year. And Iowa had pretty much a down year, but they went, they skyrocketed right up when they beat Michigan. When they beat Michigan in in Iowa City, that was huge for that program. So this is one of those things where you're dealing with these kids, and this is a great momentum builder. What, how much would they love it for them to beat two top 25 teams in the same season once again? And so to see – That would be would, awesome. You know, yeah. And, and listen, it is, not an easy, it is not an easy deal to go into Iowa City and beat that team. They're very well coached. Kirk Ferentz, he, he typically has his team going. You always see a solid performance out of these guys where they have a solid offensive line, a solid defensive line. They're well coached at every single position. So and Nebraska's down a little bit. You know, they have a, their 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 quarterback is injured. And so, you know, they beat a, a, a pretty outmanned Maryland team last week and which was more of a tune up when it comes down to Iowa. So how are they gonna respond when it comes into it? Because I don't know if Tommy Armstrong is gonna play this week for Nebraska. So this is a right for the taking for this Iowa program. Troy, what do we what do we say of Boise State? I mean, we've always talked about it. The lower lower teams don't really get that much recognition. Uh, Boise State is two spots ahead of Western Michigan at this point. Uh, the Broncos, they do they got they got to win their conference right in order for them to even uh, consider. And then I I took some notes off ESPN saying that Wyoming would need to lose to New Mexico. Uh, for Boise to play in the Mountain West Championship. So they literally would have to own the Mountain West for them to even consider themselves into a, a bowl position, right? Well, they're in bowl position right now because they have 10 wins and they're, you know, they're ranked number 19 right now. So they're going um, to get a lot of consideration for possibly some major bowls. Uh, well, maybe not too much of a major bowl. None of the, you know, where you have the Sugar Bowl, the, the Rose Bowl, uh, things like that, but it's a possibility that they can get a major bowl depending on how everything shakes out. But but here's the caveat here. Now Brett Rippon has played great for them all year, okay. But you're going into you're going into Colorado, and you have to play Air Force. Now Air Force is not your typical team. I mean Air Force runs the triple option. It is very 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 difficult to prepare for that team. Air Force is not to be trifled with. I mean, they beat, they're one of the few teams that beat Navy this year, and Navy is always also running the triple option. But they, you know, Air Force has actually won the Commander in Chief trophy, that, and that goes to the winner of whoever wins, um, you know, most of the games against the, uh, the uh, military academies. But Air Force is, is on a roll. They're 8 and 3. You have, to, you have to go into Colorado to beat these guys. It is not an easy task because they are as, as well prepared and as fundamentally sound as you will find, especially running the football. It, Boise State definitely has their, their, their work cut out for them this week in this game. Hey, Troy, I'm going to just put something out there right now. Hashtag hypotheticals, because that's really what this week is all about. And if you're not, oh, like, absolutely. involved into the sport, I mean, this is just like, <laughs> this is like so much drama built, but basically that's what it is. It's hypotheticals because you're, we're breaking it down to where, like, uh, if so-and-so wins here and so-and-so doesn't do this and if so-and-so doesn't muster up enough uh, power and 
blows away this. I mean, it's like a lot of hypotheticals. I mean, you could literally get a migraine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, man. I mean, it, you know, just trying to trying to keep up with everything, um, uh, you know, for all the things that are shaking out with these teams. And then you also have, um, you know, some of the ones where they're kind of flying under the radar. And that's where you have – that's where you come in with Western Michigan. Now, Western Michigan um, – they they are ranked number twenty one right now, and they're undefeated. And so they're one of the few undefeateds that are left. And they have they're hosting uh, Toledo on Friday also, and this is what basically amounts to the Mid American Championship game uh, in the Western Division. And so the winner of it is going to go to the MAC Championship game where they play this in Detroit. And so it's a lot at stake with, with all of these games. And Western Michigan is kind of flying under the radar. They had that huge win in the in the beginning of the season. I believe I believe it was against Oklahoma State, where they caught the ball at the two yard line and the guy shoveled past it, and you know he ran basically across the field and then scored a touchdown in the last minute. And Western Michigan has been propelled to greatness ever since then. So I'm watching all of these things unfold at the end of the season. This is just it's so exciting for me. Yeah, and Alabama, if Alabama beats Auburn on Saturday and Florida on December 3rd, uh, they would literally win the SEC. Ohio State defeats Michigan on Saturday but fails to reach the Big Ten. Uh, Clemson beats South Carolina on Saturday and Virginia Tech on December 3rd. They would win the ACC. And then there's the fourth spot, which would be Washington, who's 12-1 and and winner of the Pac-12 by defeating Washington State on Friday in the uh, Apple uh, Cup, as you mentioned, and then beating one of the either Colorado or Southern Cal in the conference title game on December 2nd. Um, so there's a lot of what ifs and what could, and God, it's, it's, a, it's a hashtag migraine pretty much. Um, Hypothetical is really exciting in, in that aspect of it if you're dived into it. Um, let's dive into the situation uh, it was Notre Dame, I think it was, we talked about. Uh, they got stripped or something about their 2012 and 2013 wins. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was, um, it was was actually surprising because the Notre Dame football team, that Notre Dame program, they run about as clean as you can get, you know, when it comes to, you know, running running an athletic program. I mean, they are they're a gold standard, you know. I mean, and and just to hear that, you know, they had some violations with academic misconduct, and you know, you had an athletic trainer, and and um, I guess it was two it was two football players, and you know, they were getting academic benefits. So I guess it may have been someone you know taking some some tests for them, or you know, kind of fudging some grades. And then now they have to, you know, they have to forfeit some of those games. And so, I mean, hey, it's, Troy, it, it just not allowed in college. <laughs> that's not allowed in college. Is that is that similar to the uh, the NFL, uh, you know, drug violation policy? <laughs> just kidding. Oh yeah, I mean that's when when it comes down to it in the NFL in, in college football, you would almost rather a guy get caught with weed than cheating on a test. I mean, it's just that bad. Seriously, and it just look really looks bad on them. Wow, and that's it's surprising crazy. because that I mean, like I said, they usually run a very clean program, and they hear that these allegations come out. You know, you kind of look back and shout. Now I'm hearing but that I'm, I'm hearing that Notre Dame will appeal this 
Um, I'm, that's what I'm getting from what I read off of uh, some of the news sources that the uh, that Notre Dame will appeal the NCAA Division One committee uh, of infractions uh, regarding that. So. Yeah, I mean, and they're definitely going to appeal, and and that's basically to save face for a lot of, you know, what they do with their program. But to say this, I mean, how they've gone from, you know, as a matter of fact, that I think it was the 2013 season where they were undefeated and they they lost in the championship game in Alabama, um, and they were they were pretty hot last year until they had some really bad losses uh, late in the season, and it seems like they have this, you know, this thing where they give up. I mean, they almost quit, and it just seemed like that happened this year. I'm not sure if Brian Kelly is going to be able to stay as the coach there, and then for for this to come out, I just think that that almost solidifies it. I'm not sure what that what that organization is is thinking when it comes down to whether or not they're going to make a coaching change. But if they did decide to do so, I don't think anyone would really be too up in arms about it because the guy just really, he just flat out hasn't gotten it done. And this just adds, uh, you know, to that, that, that heap that they, you know, that they're working with right now. So Notre Dame is not contesting the violations from what I'm reading, but they are, uh, you know, contesting the forfeiture of wins, which is a big factor. Uh, sort of similar to what happened to Southern Cal, I guess, a, a couple years back. The penalties on Notre Dame include a one year of probation, a public reprimand for the school, uh, a $5,000 fine, and a two-year show cause order against the student trainer. Uh, the athletics department also must disassociate from the sp- former student trainer for two years. Uh, the penalties do not include scholarship reductions or a bowl ban. So I guess that's a bonus in that aspect. Yeah, and, and, but you know what? The NCAA is just childish. I mean, it's uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, you, you get in a violation, right? And then they say, oh, well, we're going to take the win away from you. We're going to take your trophy. You know, it's just childish. It's childish. I mean, listen, this, it, it, the game already happened. And it's funny how they can do that with when they find a violation happens, Right. But they won't do that if you go back and look at the film and it shows that a referee missed a call and the, and the call directly affected the football game. I just I really don't like the way that the NCAA does these things like that. Like no other sport does that where you come back and say, oh, we're going to take away the wins from you because you did something wrong during that period and we just found out. Like, okay, what are the statute of limitations on that? Well, Ten years ago, were you going to take those wins away too? And And you know what? It's just, it's just, it's really childish. It's like, you know, we're going to take that away from you, man. Like, you can't. It already happened. The scoreboard was there. We ran off the field. We looked up at the scoreboard, and that was a score. It's just, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Troy, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Bunch of jerks. All right. I know. <laughs> I just think it's, it is ridiculous to your point. I mean, why would you take the wins in the back when you can just do, you know, financial fines, uh, put in stipulations yeah. going forward as a, you know, and punishing them that way, uh, banning them from a bowl appearance going forward. I mean, that would be more punishable than take it back, you know, fine uh, numbers from before. Um, yeah. It's sort of ridiculous in that aspect. It's almost like your parent going, Hey, you know that, you, you, you know, now that I recall you, you pissed me off when you're 18. And I'm, yeah, I'm gonna exactly. go ahead and just 
exact my revenge yeah. now <laughs> while you're 32. I mean, <laughs> Hand over right. to casting, man. Like they found out Reggie Bush, you know, he took some 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 financial benefits, right? So they so they took his Heisman Trophy. Well, listen, I'm just, I'm just not going to give it to you. Like I mean, it's just that simple. I earned the trophy. You voted me the, the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm not giving it back. What are you going to do? Like I mean, it's it's so childish, man. It's the most childish thing I've ever seen. It's just it's ridiculous. God. It's it, it's like a pow, a, a pouting uh, committee or something. <laughs> they couldn't figure exactly. out anything better to do. I mean, right. come on, you can you can at least just take revenue and say, hey, I'm, we're taking a, a percent amount of uh, ad revenue from your stadium deal or something, and that'll yeah, hurt you in the pocketbook or whatever. Right, yeah. and then what That's they do great. is they also like so you know if something happened five years ago, they're gonna say, oh, we're gonna put sanctions on you, and we're not gonna let you play in a bowl game. Well, the kids who are there now. <laughs> Had nothing to do with that. So why are you punishing them? You know, it's just—it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Hey Troy, Troy, this this reminds me of the uh, of the uh, the bad Montreal incident that happened in WWE with uh, with Bret Hart <laughs> and McMahon. Just uh, oh, let me go. Man, let me yeah. make it right. A couple of years later, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. screw you in your own hometown and let's make it right now. <laughs> right. Cold. Exactly. That is cold. Oh, so yeah, NC. I agree with the NCA is a bunch of knuckleheads. I mean, they, they got to get their act together. This is just childish. It really is. And if I was a judge, I'd just turn around and just you know rule it out and go, hey, you know, this is the fine going forward. This is the ad amount of money you're going to get. Um, it would have been easier for them to just do the penalties on the scholarship reductions and the bowl bans. That would have just been you know probably the better call. Still there, Troy? Yep, I'm here. I got you now. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, but so I'm saying that would have been the better, better call. Just to do a, yeah, it just would have been better to do the bowl ban. I, I completely agree. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Just, just do the two-year I mean, bowl ban, you're done. Yeah. And, and that's the other part. Uh, we need to, I think we need to send, we probably need to send some better water to these guys. Maybe they're not drinking spring water. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> right. And the thing is that the NCAA yeah. is not they they're not affiliated with the colleges at all. They're a governing body. Like, I mean, when is someone going to take the power away from these jokers? I mean, it, it, and it's coming. It's coming. You watch and see like no one, I mean, it, someone tell me what they really do. I mean, they're making money off of these programs and they're not even affiliated with the colleges. I just can't wait till they dis, disband the NCAA. I just can't wait. Well, who's going to run the whole show if you disband the whole thing? Well, what you have right now is you have uh, commissioners in each conference. And so what you could effectively do is have a committee of these guys, you know, in, in one governing body. Now, I mean, that's some of the things that's kind of been thrown around because, I mean, people are just piss pot tired of having to answer to the NCAA when they really don't have anything to do with the colleges, but they can directly affect these colleges and making their revenue and, you know. So it's more of an umbrella uh, organization more so than anything, right? Just a collection, collecting site. All right. You still, can you still hear me, Troy? 
All right, guys. So I think we're losing some connection. Probably bad weather on the East Coast or something's going on. Dropping off here. Hey, I'm back. You still with me, Troy? I'm back. Yeah, yeah. I think it's we're having some either uh, bad connection in terms of Block Talk uh, with their uh, live feed because I just literally almost got dropped off the face. I felt like I, I hit my head on a tile or something. Cause I, I felt like I was talking and then nothing came around. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I slipped and then boom. Um, so yeah, I think we're having some, probably some issues with the satellite feed as well. So I apologize to everybody for that. Um, yeah, sort of interesting to that they're the umbrella organization, but they're still, you know, it seems like they're very political in that aspect of it. When you make a call, why can't you just make the call? You ban, you know, ban the next two years for the bowl game for the infraction or, you know, take rev, add revenue out of the uh, college for that. Uh, that would have been the better call anyways. Um, yeah. So, Troy, what is the game that we got to watch this week? Top th- the top three games, which ones are you recommending that we must watch? Well, I'm going to start with – I'm going to start with um, the best game – well, the third best game I'll start with would be Florida State at Florida. This is going to be in Tallahassee. This is always a great rivalry. Um, you know, both of those teams are have already solidified their positions as far as what the postseason is going to be, um, but their ranking is going to be, you know, um, it's going to fluctuate, obviously, after this, and not to mention you get bragging rights inside the state of Florida. These two teams just flat out don't like each other. And so Florida has already penciled themselves in into the SEC championship game likely and it will be against Alabama. So but this right now is just for bragging rights. These two teams are it's going to be a fight. You got two really good defensive teams. Uh Florida is not that dynamic on offense, but they're they're big, they're strong, they're powerful. And so we're looking forward to one of these knockout drag out fights that you have out there. Uh the second game is the Iron Bowl. We have Alabama, um they're going to be at home in Tuscaloosa against Auburn. And, again, it is not out of the realm of possibility for this Auburn team to come in and upset Alabama. They are that strong. Uh, Auburn runs the football very well. That's the main staple of their offense is them running the football with the quarterback and also with their running backs. But that is what you call um, the unstoppable force against their movable object because the Alabama Crimson Tide are one of the top defenses, especially against the running nation. And so what you're going to see is, you know, power on power and may the best man win. And when these two teams come together, again, it is not a whole lot of love on each side of the football. This whole state is divided. This is another one of those states where you don't have a pro football team. So this is their, this is their Super Bowl. And so you're going to see everybody out there, the whole state is going to shut down just to watch this football game. And, of course, the number one game that I, that I have to see is Michigan-Ohio State. Now, Michigan may not have their starting quarterback. You know, so um, he, he injured his shoulder. Um, he, he had a broken collarbone. So they actually may start John O'Corn. Uh, but the problem is – well, not the problem, but here's, a, here's one another caveat is that <laughs> – their starting quarterback has been practicing. He's been throwing the ball. And according to John Harbaugh, he's looked really good. And so it's it, he may start the game. And if that happens, then, you know, you may have – it may be a lot closer game. Right now, Ohio State is favored 
uh, by six and a half points. Because, I mean, uh, you know, with um, Michigan, they kind of squeaked out a win uh, last week against Indiana. But at the same time, Ohio State kind of squeaked out a win last week also against Michigan State. But if you see Wilton State come out there in that Michigan uniform and he gets on the center, I mean, that's going to be a spectacular sight. I mean, because just think about it. He has a broken collarbone, and he's still talking about playing. He's actually practiced this whole week. So that will be a huge, huge, huge feather in their cap if he can go into there and he's relatively healthy and he can play that football game. Michigan, best defense in the, in the, in the NCAA. And their defensive line is just top-notch. There is no better defensive line, and that's including Alabama. There is no better defensive line in college football. And on the flip side of that, you have Ohio State. They have the best defensive backs in the nation. So this is, I mean, listen, you know, Michigan, they call, you know, they call Ohio State Ohio. And Ohio State, they call Michigan the team up north. They they really just disrespect each other, but, you know, by the name. If you follow any of their um, their uh, players on Twitter, they disrespect each other pretty much the whole year, and they're you know kind of chirping back and forth. And you've seen a lot of that this week. This is going to be those knockout, drag out fights, and this is coming on at high noon. And they always have this game on at noon because this is what really sets the day off. Tune in for that game. It's going to be an absolute barn burn. Also, don't want to forget that you have the Apple Cup. That's on Friday. Now, that Friday game is be at three thirty, Washington versus Washington State. That's going to determine who goes to the Pac-12 title. Now, so Washington State right now, they're in a little bit of a roll. Washington is really trying to get themselves back after taking a huge loss to USC, and that really hurt them. But with the Michigan Ohio State game, if Washington can win that. And Washington will be watching that game uh, if they win against Washington State on Friday. So Washington will be trying to tune in to watch that Ohio State-Michigan game because either way it goes, if Washington wins and they stay at number five, Ohio State or Michigan will conceivably drop out of there and Washington could go right back into the playoff race. And so Washington really controls its own destiny at this point. Michigan controls its own destiny. And if Ohio State wins, then Penn State actually goes to the Big Ten uh, championship game, and it's conceivable that that Penn State could actually leapfrog Ohio State. So it's a lot to watch for in this college football weekend. It's going to be a lot of moving, a lot of shaking. And then once everything kind of unfolds itself, you'll see on, on Tuesday where you get the selection show and you still have the you know the conference championship games that are coming up, so it's a lot to be decided in the next few weeks. We'll see if we can get uh, the connection back on there. I apologize for um, not having to be on the air. It's been uh, technical difficulties today for whatever reason at this point. So uh, let's let's go into the NFL. Let's dive into the NFL at this point. Uh, let's talk about Patriots, Raiders, and Cowboys being pretty much the top teams coming into this NFL uh, week, almost a week uh, 12. Um, Murray had 39, uh, 39 yards uh, on the floor. Cooper played really well. 
Um, the Raiders really played pretty good ball. We're talking about Kirk Cousins and Crowder uh, with the Redskins also played pretty well against Aaron Rodgers and company. The Seahawks just literally took care of business in Philadelphia, and they're re- re-energized. I think that's what's really the bottom line with the Seahawks. They're re-energized at this point, and so we'll see how that turns out. Um, trying to get see if I can get Troy back on here at this point. Um, get him back onto the line here. Just been a weird day today in terms of connected. So I'm thinking maybe it's something to do with the feed or the East Coast at this point. Um, so as soon as I get him back on here, we'll start diving into that stuff as well. Um, my Rams totally disappointing fourth quarter. I mean Jeff Fisher's got to go. I mean this guy's just pathetic. He's got to go. Hashtag Fire Fisher. I mean, fourth quarter just collapsed. The, 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 you, kill, you kill the defense for three quarters technically, and then you, you get just blown away for two touchdowns in the last fourth quarter. And then, you're, and you're, you know, this is just not going to cut it. You got uh, Jared Goff's uh, debut on there, and it didn't even happen. I mean, he was playing pretty decent ball, but to lose by four points is just ridiculous. It really is what it is. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out what you want to do. This guy's got to be gone. You just got to throw him out there um, and just put him out there. But Jeff Fisher's got to be gone. I mean, just, just I'm vomiting already on this guy. I mean, when when is it going to be the exit time to go? Just ridiculous. Uh, Troy, are you back? I'm back. All right. I don't know what's going on with our satellite feed today, but it's it's been pretty, pretty crappy. <laughs> I'll say it now. I have to call Block Talk and see what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is. I mean, let's call it, you know, call it what it is. Um, so I apologize for to our listeners for, you know, in and outs, in and outs that we're having right now. And I'm pretty sure it's a satellite feed because they, they do want a satellite feed. So anyways, um, Troy, you know, Los Angeles, I mean, I've been talking to a couple of my Rams, you know, groups and stuff. Uh, they're just tired of Fisher, man. And, th- and this is a, another example of not getting it done offensively. I mean, they had Miami on the ropes for almost three quarters, and then they just let Tannehill literally just put two scores up, and then you you get beat by four. And then he's apologizing the same way he apologized in week one against the Niners. Sort of like, okay, well, you know, we could have done better. They were a good team on the others. I mean, come on, dude. I don't know, dude. This is just crazy. Well, he's sort of right. I mean, you know, you got Miami over there. They're a pretty hot team. I mean, they started off the year all and two, and now all of a sudden they're six and four. You know, no one really saw that coming. And so when you look across that field, I mean, I mean, who who knew? I mean, who knew that the, that the Dolphins would actually start winning some of these close games? And it's just kind of indicative of how the NFL is because most of these games are, you know, they do come down to you know, a play here or a play there. And it just seems like that Miami is just really getting it done. So, I mean, they, they ran into a pretty good football team. Now, I watched, you know, a little bit of it. And the one thing that the Rams continue to hang a hat on is their defense. And, man, they just developed these young guys. And who's who's that safety you guys have, number 31, man? That dude can play. I mean, he's a young kid. Was he yeah. undrafted? I mean, he, undrafted. Can, he can really – he can – he could flat out play. I mean, I don't know what Fisher is finding these guys, but on defense he's fine. But I, I'll tell you, man, they they don't do a damn thing about offense. 
our peewee team right next door to us, like down the field where I live at, uh, they could play a better offensive game than my Rams right now. Just pathetic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like a Bob Warner game. You know what I mean? They, they're playing better ball, and they're putting up more points than Jeff Fisher has put up. I mean, his, he's averaging 13 points offensively. It's not going to cut it in the NFL to win a game. Not going to cut it. I don't no. care what quarterback no. you have behind center. It's not going to cut it. And and he's like, oh, well, you know, we got the, the best kicker. Dude, throw your kicker in the garbage because that's the only point you're getting. If you didn't have your kicker, where would you be in a donut? I mean, this guy is just sad. And I just cannot understand how the ownership cannot understand that this guy is just pathetic. So you beat Seattle once, what, once or twice a year? Wow. Okay, great. But that's is that your is that the only thing we got to hang our hats on? I mean, I'm more pissed off we can't even beat San Francisco. That's what pisses me off. You can't beat San Francisco. I mean, that's p- pretty bad. Uh, I don't yeah, know. San Francisco uh, should be. I've already put. Should my, be winning. I've already put my banner up there. I don't know what I need to do. Do I need to put lights around that banner? I mean, do I need to like fireworks or something? Come <laughs> on. Somebody needs to wake up, man. Whatever coffee they're brewing over there, it isn't a. It isn't Starbucks. I can tell you that right now because it's pathetic. I'm just like sad. I mean, four and six. What did we say uh, at the beginning of the season? Seven and nine. He's okay with seven and nine. Oh my God, seven and nine. Whoa. Give me something to chew on right now because I'm pissed off right now. Give me something to chew on. It's just pathetic. Anyways, congratulations to Tannehill and company for doing their part in the fourth quarter and. You know, taking care of my Rams, freaking Fisher, just sad, just sad. Um, Troy, what is going on with Bruce Arians and this Cardinals? They're just on a slide, four, five, and one. Just their season hasn't. I mean, I don't think there's issues there. So you know, there might be a little bit of injuries going on there. But it, what is it? Is it just poor play on their part, or is it just better competition that they're playing at this point? I mean, they get beat by uh, the Vikings. 30 to 24, the Vikings, they don't really have that much offensive weapons besides Diggs and, comp- and a couple of players. But, I mean, the Cardinals have weapons. Fitzgerald, they got, you know, Johnson on the ground. What is going on in, in Arizona? That's the question. Well, part of it is their offensive line is, is, is atrocious. I mean, they are they are safe right now. Um, I think seven line is hurt. Uh, he's one of their better offensive linemen. Caution part. I mean, just I, I watched the Vikings play against the Redskins, and the Redskins, you know, they have a pretty good offensive line, and you know they barely touched Cousins. But Carson Palmer was hit 24 times. I've never seen a quarterback get hit that many times in one game. He was hit 24 times. It's hard for anyone. To, to, you know, be confident in their team when you got your quarterback just getting thrown in the ground like that. And he took some wicked shots. And so while they do have probably the most dynamic running back in the game right now, David Johnson, I love that kid. In my opinion, he's the best running back in the game. I just I love the way he plays. And you got Fitzgerald. You know, he's he's just great. You know that. But you know, on defense, they aren't. They just aren't playing like they used to. To also on that side, you know, they're missing some guys. You got, I think, Deion Buchanan 
Uh, I don't know if he played in this game. That's your that's your rover, your hybrid player. I don't think he played in the game. Um, but Chandler Jones, he's had an okay year, but other than that, their pass rush has kind of been lacking. Uh, they haven't really been stopping the run as much. I mean, they didn't play necessarily the best running team uh, yesterday with, uh, you know, the Vikings. I believe the Vikings are maybe last in the NFL in Russia. So they didn't look too bad. And, again, like as you said, they don't really have a dynamic offense, but it seemed like uh, Bradford had a pretty solid game. It was 20 and 28 for 169 yards. It's just, you know, what they just have a lot of injuries, but I just think a lot of that comes from their offensive line. And then every now and then you get some really poor play from Carson Palmer. You have to wonder how long is he going to be able to play in this league? I mean, was he 37, 38 right now? And so, um, you know, time is ticking. And I really thought that they were going to be one of the upper echelon teams this year, but it just doesn't look like it's panning out for them. Well, the Viking D was really good. Uh, I mean, sort of a revival for them this week to try to get that win at home. So, um, you know, maybe that's some more things to come from them once again. Yeah, the Vikings, they're 4-1 at home this year. So they, they have a lot of home cooking. So, you know, they play well there. And, you know, not so much on the road. So you also have to, you know, tip your cap to that, your cap to them for that one because they do, you know, hold the home serve at that, you know, when they, they usually hold the home serve there. Well, with the win at Detroit, that would put that would put Minnesota in a good standing because based on the division that it's going on right now, uh, the Vikings uh, would basically start another winning streak. So uh, we could see them revive at this point uh, into a you know in the next couple of weeks maybe putting up a couple of wins. Yeah, it's funny because they go from five and zero. And now they're back to now they're about six and four, so it's like, and they're still you know in it. they're still basically tied for the division lead with Detroit. So that kind of tells you how bad that division has been this year. And we kind of expected a lot of great things. We expected Green Bay to, to still be you know typical Green Bay. Minnesota was eleven and five last year. Um, you didn't know what to really expect from Detroit. No one really knew. I mean, everyone knew uh, Chicago wasn't going to do much this year. So it's just, you know, it's kind of weird how this division is shaking out this year. All right. So are the Steelers for real, Troy, at this point? I mean, we're looking at they're 5-5. Five and five, uh, They're in and out. Every I, wh- Where's the real Steelers? That's really the question we got to ask. They, you know, and the Browns, I mean, they're just uh, – well, the Browns are the Browns anyways. But the Steelers, they're coming up this week. So uh, they're 5-5. Five and five. They, They've put in, you know, you would think with Brown and Lavelle and Roethlisberger, I mean, you would think that they would be a better record for them, but they're not. So, they, you know, they, they get pretty much a handed win in uh, Cleveland. So what do we say about the Steelers? Well, the Steelers' problem is on defense. Um, you know, typically when that Pittsburgh Steelers team, you you expect a, you know, a hard, tough-nosed defense, and it just hasn't been that this year. Um, they've allowed a lot of big plays. Uh, they allow teams to run up and down the field on them. You watch that Dallas game, and, of course, Dallas is Dallas. I mean, you know, they're running that – they're running, you know, red hot right now. But to – for your – quarterback who was a top five quarterback to lead their team down the field and score a touchdown 
and you literally can't hold this team uh, at all and stop them whatsoever and allow a running back to run right up the middle for about 45 yards for a touchdown, it's ridiculous. This is not the Steelers of old. You know, they just don't have a whole lot of toughness on that team. So, uh, And then not to mention they also lost Cameron Hayward, which is their best defensive lineman. He's out for the year. Um, it's, it's just a tough goal for that team. I mean, they're, they're, they're just not the Steelers of old. They have no dynamic players in the secondary. There's no more Troy Palomalu. There's no more uh, Ike Taylor back there. They're sieve. And y'all really don't expect much of them um, in the, if they do make the playoffs because, you I mean, it's going to be really between Baltimore and Pittsburgh at this point. Uh, that's what it's looking like with Cincinnati being down. And Baltimore's already beaten them this year. So I like Baltimore better as a team in that division. Now, we had the, the big matchup the, in the uh... – in the NFC, uh, the NFC South, which was the Saints and the and the Panthers, um, just a bad situation with Luke uh, Kukli with a concussion there, two-time Pro Bowler um, Ryan Cowley leaves with the shoulder, defensive end Mario Addison with a foot injury, uh, Leonard Johnson chest injury, uh, carted off with Kudley, of course. Uh, the Saints lose uh, Mark Ingram to a concussion in the third quarter. Man, it was like a mash. Uh, mash unit, uh, you know, call for the ambulance squad out there in terms of there's two games and Carolina gets the win by three points, but um, these both of these teams are struggling this year. Yeah, and and those were you know people sort of had had an expectation for New Orleans to struggle. Um, I I just I don't know last year. I just honestly thought that the Carolina Panthers were – I just thought it was a fluke. I did. I mean, I just, you know, 15-1. I didn't I didn't believe in them the whole year. You know, we remember we had a few listeners that called and said, how come you guys aren't talking about the Panthers? I just wasn't – I wasn't that impressed with them. I just wasn't. It was just something there to me that just said, this isn't going to last very long. I'm not really a big fan of Cam Newton, the way he plays the game. Now, let's, let's, let's be real about it. That guy's a tank. You give him the ball and he starts running with it, he is about as dynamic as possible. But listen, since he started taking those hits and the coaches say, listen, we're going to stop doing that so much, their offense is really taking a step back. I mean, they no longer really have that much of a threat with him running anymore. So, And you're starting to see that kind of um, manifest itself in, in the rest of the team. They're not the, that dynamic rushing team that they were last year. They're not making the big plays that they were last year. So I'm really just not sold on them. And now that who knows how long Luke Kickley is going to be out, but that is their heart and soul of their defense. And they still have Thomas Davis out there, um, you know, and that, that is a, that's that linebacking core is a beast, man. But I just think it's not really going to be the same with Luke Kickley. Not to mention, yeah, Tampa Bay is kind of sneaking around uh, in that division. They beat Kansas City, who was 7-2 at that point, and now they're 7-3, obviously. But they beat their great Kansas City teams. And so that division is starting to really tighten up. And you never know what you're going to get with New Orleans because they have Drew Brees. And that guy is about as dynamic as a quarterback as you can find in the NFL, probably in NFL history. So that division right now is really a toss-up. Atlanta continues to do their thing when it comes down to disappointing. They'll win a big game, and then all of a sudden they'll just drop one. Who knows what you're going to get from Atlanta. They're just they're very, they're not the most inconsistent team that I've seen in the longest time. 
I still like what they have on offense with Julio Jones. Matt Ryan is playing at the MVP clip. But, again, you never know what team is going to show up. So, in that division, it's really still a toss-up, and it's really just a two-game difference between all of those teams. Now, it's Kansas City seems like non-disciplined at times and then disciplined at times. Um, they have this knack for just, you know, staying. They have a good record so far this year, staying in contention with the Raiders and the Broncos. But, I mean, I don't understand how I, – I just want to say, are they really going to be contending at this point, even though their record is a really good record? You've talked about – in the past, you've talked about Alex Smith uh, being a big, you know, uh, consistent quarterback, which he has been. Uh, but I mean, what do you what do you think of the of the uh, of the Chiefs at this point? Well, the Chiefs are a solid football team, and what they're going to do, and you know, teams know this, they're going to come out there, they're going to try to be physical with you on offense and defense. They're going to run the football, and they're going to try to limit their mistakes. The problem with that is is if the Kansas City Chiefs get behind, what do you do? You know, Alex Smith is just he can run the football, and he's a consistent thrower, but they really just don't have a whole lot of weapons uh, on that team. And and so, you know, you I, I like to see, you know, the backs that they have, the Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West and, you know, um, uh, what's my guy's name? Uh, I forgot the tight end's name. You know, they, they, get, they have some players, but, you know, they're just not as dynamic as you would like them to be. They don't score a whole lot of points. You're talking about Chelsea, year, right? Yeah, Travis Kelsey. Uh, like this yeah. year, they have 222 points, and that's the least amount of points scored in that division. Um, and and that's even behind the Denver Broncos, who are relatively anemic on offense. And so, watching them play, I mean, they're just not really an exciting football team. So offensively, they struggle, but on defense, they're strong. But if they get if you get in front of them, and you kind of limit those pass rushers and you limit their defensive backs, um, you know, because their defensive backs make really big plays, then that is their, that's their Achilles heel. And I just don't think that they have the formula to actually contend for a Super Bowl. Will they make the playoffs? I think they will. I just think that that type of team, when Andy Reid's out there coaching, the guys is very solid. But he still needs to get more dynamic on offense. All right. So, uh, Troy, real, a real question here. Is, are the Browns worse than the Niners? At this point, what, how would you rank them at this point? Honestly, I would say that the Niners are worse. I mean, the Niners are just, oh, man. That's what I've been hearing I mean, from least, everybody online. Everybody's been telling me that. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is this, okay. Cleveland, you, you in a way, you know, you, you have a, a pretty good excuse as to why they're losing. I mean, they've had, they've had to start. Um, you know, six different quarterbacks this year, um, and that's that's not a, that's a recipe for disaster. But at least they have Isaiah Crowell. He's had a pretty solid season. Terrell Pryor. They got Pryor. He's been he's a new star, and you know he wants to actually stay in Cleveland, and that is that's that's great news for for the Cleveland Browns. You got Joe Thomas. Did somebody give him a, some sort of a test, Troy? Well, Is somebody giving him is, some sort of a test? He wants to stay in Cleveland. That's just – how would you – I wouldn't want to stay in Cleveland. Just but the thing is, he's an Ohio State guy. He's an Ohio State guy, That's so true. he's really not that Very smart. True. 
he's not that smart. So I mean, that's part of the reason uh, why I'm not in Cleveland. Too bad so, I mean, isn't here for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta take it, you know, with a grain of salt that a guy like that wants. Oh, uh, he's listening, he's, by the way. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I, but I think they're the Cleveland Browns have a lot more to look up to, um, you know, with their future because they had uh, maybe 15 draft picks this year and all of them on the team. And this includes some of the undrafted free agents that they have. So they're a really, really young team. And so you at least see a future there. But when you look at San Francisco, it's what do you, what do you like? What do you like? I mean, Kaepernick is playing a little bit better, a little bit better, but not enough where you would sit back and say he's now a viable NFL quarterback. But other than that, talent-wise, what do they have on that team? I mean, I just, you know, they have nothing at the wide receiver position. They have, you know, you got um, uh, Carlos Hyde. I don't understand what what the, you know, what, what the, the infatuation is that some people have with this guy. He is not a, he's just not, he's not consistent. And he can't stay on the field. He's always injured. I mean, a guy like that, you, you can't have him as your feature back. You can't. He's big for no reason. You, you know, he's getting Troy. Troy Brady yeah. probably just penciled it in when he saw that on the schedule this week, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was just I've, like Edelman, Brady, Gronk. Everybody just literally you know. circled it and said, uh, "Let's just go have, let's go get a pickup game. Let's get this done." Yeah, I mean, Gronk was uh, like, you know what? You know, I mean, if it was a big game, I could play this week. But man, I'm gonna just go to the beach, man. I'm gonna just take this day off. Man. I'm not even gonna play. Wow. Go to the beach somewhere, man. So I mean, it's just, you know, it's just they're they're a bad football team. Just they're god awful football. I don't even understand why Chip Kelly is even talking like he's still gonna be there. I really think Chip Kelly is leaving. I think he's going to take the job at Oregon. Everyone wants him back at Oregon. I know he wants to go back at Oregon. I just think it would feel better for him to go back to Oregon because that organization from top to bottom is about as bad as you can get. And they, I think they ranked them the worst pro franchise in America. That's saying something. That's saying something. That's even lower than Cleveland. Seriously, that's why, I'm, that's why I brought it up because it's like <laughs> – it's pretty bad. Even Holly, who's a big, big Niner fan, you know, admitted to us obviously that this is just a train wreck. It's just, it's really just a bad. They gotta, they gotta retool the whole thing too. Uh, I'm in the same boat that Holly is, you know, but on the southern side of the state, with this knucklehead coach, you know what I mean? Just sad. Fire Jeff Fisher. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to like figure out how I can pay him off so he can just walk away. Trying to figure out like if I can do a GoFundMe or something just to pay him off. And say, here you go, buddy. Ah, take your money and walk away. Take your money and walk away. Just sad. It's really bad. So California, that, I... besides the besides the Raiders, <laughs> besides the Raiders and the Chargers, uh, you got North Northern California on the AFC on the uh, NFC side. Uh, both teams just crappy. You know what I mean? Just pathetic. Yeah. I'll take Phil you know Rivers if he wants though? to come up north. You know, you know what I didn't realize is that the Cleveland Browns didn't win any preseason games either. I mean, they, just, they haven't won anything. I want to know if they won some coin tosses. <laughs> yeah. They didn't win anything this year. That's, we need LeBron. We need LeBron. Can you can yeah. you imagine that? Get LeBron to be quarterback towards the last part of the game or something just to bring in the oh, quarterback. Awesome. That would, that, 
That'd be that awesome. would be a buzz, wouldn't it? LeBron oh, James yeah, starting absolutely. for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that would just be great. Anyways, um, I'm assuming the Patriots had a good time on their preseason game against San Francisco this weekend because that's really what the result was <laughs> for Tom Brady and company. Um, oh, boy. So the Giants, uh, let's go to your division now. The Giants take care of the Bears, the lowly Bears. Um, they squeak one out technically. Uh, Bears didn't play too bad for about two quarters, and then they kind of just, you know, went by the wayside just like my Rams against the Dolphins. Uh, Giants are 7-3, and three, new coach. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Um, you got Beckham, Shepard, uh, you know, Manning coming together, and they're always a late-charged team towards the end of the season. So do uh, you expect that to happen, starting to, even without uh, Tom Coughlin at the helm? Um, You know, the thing about the Giants is, is that they are winning those close games. I mean, pretty much all of their past few wins have came down where, you know, you got Landon Collins, who has made the game-clenching interception. He's done it against the Rams. He did it against the Eagles. He did it against the Bengals. He did it against the Bears. And so you're starting to see that team, you know, just make these, you know, these, um, you know, pretty good wins. But I'm just, you know, taking a glance at some of the competition that they've that they've beaten. And they beat, you know, the Ravens, they're five and five. He's beating the Rams, he's beating the Eagles, they're five and five. The Bengals, they're three and six. The Bears, I mean, the, the Browns, they have them this week. So I mean, they're compiling wins, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to win these games, but. Listen, the next few weeks after this Browns game, it gets a little tougher. I mean, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then they have to go. They're playing Dallas at home. They're playing the Lions at home. They have to go to Philadelphia. And then on New Year's Day, they have to go to Washington, which could end up being the the deciding uh, game as to who goes to the playoffs out of the division if neither one of these teams catch the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. So I just think, you know, right now, Things are going good for them, but, you know, they are very limited uh, as to what they can do, believe it or not, because Eli Manning is not – he's not playing the way he usually does. Uh, he doesn't make those long, dynamic throws down the field. Like, he, the throws are very quick and getting the ball out quick, and they have to do that because their offensive line is not very good. Uh, they can't run the ball very well. Um Odell Beckham, he's still exciting, and he's having a decent year, even though he doesn't make a lot of the big plays that he used to make. Uh, but on defense, they've gotten a lot better. And I just think, you know, they're a more solid team than they were last year. But they really just don't – I don't know. They just don't really move the needle for me because I just feel like when they play against a team that is more well-rounded than the teams that they've beaten, I just think that's when they're going to get into their uh, a lot of trouble. And you saw that they had a lot of trouble with the Washington Redskins. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Vikings when the Vikings were hot. So, I mean, these are the things that I've seen. But the thing is that the Giants keep things close. So as long as they can keep things close, I just think they always feel like they'll have a chance. But I just think going down the stretch, the teams that they play are going to be a lot better. The competition is going to be better, and you'll see a different team up with So, Troy, uh, Titans and Colts, 
uh, where do you see them at this point? They're both like 500, um, and Mariota has played pretty well in a couple games. You have Luck, apparently he's not going to be uh, – he's on a concussion protocol. So uh, what's the story with those two teams right now? What's your gut feeling at this point? Gets a concussion. All right, Troy. And yep. yeah, I'm here. It's ironic right, awesome. that Andrew Luck gets a, that he gets a concussion right around the time where he's finally looked like he's starting to get healthy. And so you know now he he's hurt again. And so you know who I'm not sure how they're going to be able to go forward. I mean, what you know with the way that they play. Andrew Luck hasn't really been playing like you know, the lights out Andrew Luck that we've seen two years ago. And I feel like he's kind of regressed, and maybe it's some of the injuries starting to take its toll on him. Uh, they've never been a really dynamic um, uh, defensive team, and so you always have to wonder how they're going to stop people. And on the flip side, you got the Tennessee Titans, who Mariota, man, I, I love watching that kid play. I just think, honestly, when it comes down to it, I think maybe two years from now, He's going to be in the top five in the NFL um, when it comes to quarterbacks. The dude, he he could just flat out ball. I love watching this kid play. He's got the wheels. He's got the arm. He's got the you know he's got the the moxie and he's got the head you know to to make these decisions. When you start to see him become a much better passer, much more confident passer, um, I just think that like the sky's the limit for this kid. And the way that they can run the football. Um, I just think every, it just bodes well for this Tennessee team. A lot of people don't really get a chance to, to watch them play, but they are pretty strong when it comes to their offensive team. They got a really big offensive line, and they start to lean on you. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you got Mariota going right over the top of the defense. So going forward, I just think Tennessee has a much better chance um, to win the division, even though right now they're 5-6. and six. And the um, the Colts are five and five right now, but I just think, and then you know, of course, Houston right now they're six and four. Um, they were on a pretty good one run, but I think everyone in that division is a is, is very quiet, and all all three of them, the top ones, are flying under the radar right now. But I just like the Tennessee Titans. I like the way that they're built. Now, are the Lions for real at this point? Stafford and company. Uh, you got Tate. Um, you know, are they for real? I mean, they take care of the Jaguars. And so, I mean, they should be able to contend for this division with Minnesota, but uh, they've disappointed in the past. So do you think that's going to be the case again? I just think the way that they've drawn so much confidence from, you know, initially, you know, the shock of Megatron not being there, and they started off the season one and three, and then all of a sudden now they're coming on. And you, what you what you've seen now is you've seen Matthew Stafford become a leader. Now, a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL, you don't really see that that kind of fire from them if they haven't done it before. Um, you think about a Joe Flacco; he's not a real fiery guy. Eli Manning; he's not a fiery guy. But Stafford has now become that fiery guy. He's become that leader. And these teams kind of they, they gravitate to him. So you know he is he is a, a very good passer. And I, everyone thought that he would just fall right off a cliff now that Calvin Johnson is not there. But he has really played well this year. 
he's distributing the ball around. He's got a great, he's got a pretty good tight end, Eric Ebron. Um, you know, he's got uh, Golden Tate out there on the outside. He's spreading the football around. If they would be able to run the ball better, um, I just think they, you know, going forward, they would be much more of a threat. But, you know, in that division, I just think really they're the most solid team in that division and, and much more solid than, than the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings have way too many question marks. They're way too inconsistent. But I think the more consistent team is that Detroit Lions team. And I actually, I think they're going to win this game uh, coming up on Thanksgiving. All right. Seattle seems to be re-energized. Um, you know, Wilson seems to be healed up again. You got the defense sort of like, you know, getting them back in their groove again. They go to Philly. Uh, I'm sorry, they uh, they host Philly this past weekend, and then they, they basically take care of Wentz and company. Um, they didn't play too bad in terms of Philadelphia's aspect of it, but with the same token, uh, it just seems like the Hawks are back. So um, do they own this division now in the last couple of weeks here? It looks like they're – they're basically starting to pick up their and and get their stride back. I mean, without question, without question, they're the class of that division. Um, you know, Arizona's not going to catch them, and so it's good to see Russell Los Wilson Angeles, out maybe? there. You think Los Angeles um, can come and do something? I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, but I mean it, that doesn't mean they can't. I'm crushed. <laughs> doesn't mean that they can't. Me and Holly are crushed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I just I, I like the way Seattle plays, man. I mean, they they're very dynamic on offense. Where you got CJ Proseis, who you know they thought they was going to be their next star, he's gone down. Um, you know, they just they, I know they're they're kicking themselves in in, in the ass right now for uh, getting rid walls, of right? Michael. Yeah, they still Michael's, have Michael. Michael got shipped out, but they got rolls still. Right, but I bet they wish they would have kept uh, they would have kept um, Kristen Michael because he would have come in handy. I think Procise is now out into the playoffs because he, I believe, he uh, cracked his shoulder blade. So I mean, but I still like the way that that team is built. I mean, Jimmy Graham last year, I just don't think they knew how to use him. Now they're they're using him the correct way. Doug Baldwin has now turned himself into an elite wide receiver. Uh, that defense is going to be that defense. They're 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 about as strong as it gets. Uh, they're not as strong as they were maybe two three years ago, but they are still about as formidable as you can get. So I love the way that they're playing right now, and I actually believe. Uh, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I just feel like they are a much better team than Dallas. And I think if those two teams saw each other, I think that the Seattle Seahawks would beat Dallas pretty quickly. So the cream of the crop at this point, if you had to put the uh, top four in the NFC, it would be what uh, Seattle, Dallas, what would it be Washington, maybe, and Detroit, or where would you scale it at? I would say, for me, for my money right now, I would say the top would be Seattle. Dallas would be a very, very close second. Um. I would have to put the Redskins up there, and actually, you got to put the, put the Giants up there. I mean, they're they're seven and three, and you can't really take away from what they're doing. I mean, so I got to put them up there. I just think, um, you know, they're a bit stronger than Detroit is, um, and those two teams play each other down the road uh, pretty soon, and we'll see how they go head to head. But I think honestly, that's the class of the NFC right now. Right. 
Um, Troy, uh, NFL in Mexico, uh, el lunes, Monday night. It was uh, Houston taking on Oakland. And the Raiders, uh, they put on a good show in Mexico. Big time Raider fans out there. You had people from Houston coming over uh, south of the border. Uh, 27-20, it was a pretty good game. They they get the win. They're eight and two. So uh, this is this is going to get interesting in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be between them and Denver. Yeah, and I'm I'm you know that, this was in Kishi's pick in the beginning of the year. Um, they were you know the sexy pick around the NFL, and it's actually coming to fruition. Just watching the Raiders play, especially on offense, um, they've been great. They've been great. I mean, it's really hard to stop that team with all the weapons that they have on that side of the ball. And, you know, they can run it, they can throw it, and they can pretty much do whatever they want to on offense. And that is a scary sight to watch if you're an AFC opponent, especially in that AFC West. But the thing that you have to worry about is at what point, when is the inexperience going to come into it? Are they going to be like that, you know, that Dallas team back in 1993? where they just didn't know any better, and they're like, look, we're the best, and we're just going to come out there and beat you down, or are they going to get a little bit nervous and start to, you know, kind of fold down the stretch? But if you think about it, you know, who's really, you know, they're just as inexperienced as the rest of the league, you know, as the rest of that division is. Um, Kansas City, they haven't gone past the first round, um, you know, other than in 2014 where they played against the Patriots. Uh, Denver right now, they're very inexperienced at quarterback and, you know, on other key offensive positions that that defense is still there, but they're banged up right now. So they're starting to, they may start to lose ground as you continue going forward. And so if the Oakland Raiders can continue to win out and they win that division, I mean, you're talking about the Oakland Raiders being the number one seed in the AFC. Who would have thought of that in the beginning of the season? We all felt like they were going to be a lot, much better improved, but no one would have forethought that. And at least I didn't. Are we going to see? Are we going to see the revival of the Tuck, the Tuck play, if they get to oh, the point man. where they got to face New England once again? Uh, Al Davis's grave moment, as they say. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I, I actually, you know, if if they if they do play, and then it ends up that Oakland being the number one seed, I don't, really don't think that Oakland will. Be, I mean, that New England will be so upset to go out to the West Coast and play in a nice warm weather in a playoff game. Oh no, I think that should be something that they will look forward to. All right, so I was looking at the conference breakdown, and I will. I, I'm. I don't understand, but I, I, it cannot be a typo, right? Uh, we just talked about Tannehill and company beating my Rams. Tannehill and company are five and zero in the last five weeks. <laughs> uh, that right there, my friend, is a big story right there. And then you have the Raiders. They're basically four wins in the last four. They're on a four-week, uh, four-game winning streak, and they're four and one in their last five. The Dolphins basically are five and zero. So, um, God, I mean, I wouldn't. I didn't even realize that until I'm, I'm pulling this up right now to kind of like take a glance of the conference. So you got Oakland number one in the AFC, the Patriots obviously number two, Houston who got beat last night. You got the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and then the Dolphins above the Steelers and Indianapolis Colts and everybody else. So um, I guess Miami is squeaking by. Uh, 
I just it's very surprising that the way Miami has is just basically just creeping up there. Um, they still have uh, Buffalo that's right behind them, which, and that rivalry is starting to get renewed also. But with the Dolphins reeling off five straight and really in the thick of this playoff race, I mean, this is another one of those surprise teams. So you got surprise teams all up and down in the AFC. And it looks like you might have a situation where um, if this continues out, you're going to have some teams that, you know, won a lot of games in that in that conference, and they may be the odd man out. Yeah, it's true. Um, you got in the NFC, obviously, top dog is Dallas, and you just mentioned Seattle being number two. Then it would be Detroit, Atlanta, New York, as it would turn out in the in the top five. We're looking at the Cowboys, obviously, on a nine-game winning streak. They're 5-0 and in their last five. Uh, the next closest team with that we talked about, and you said it, the Giants, uh, five five weeks in a row. They're 5-0 and in the last five. So those are the two, the two hot teams right now in the NFC right now, Dallas and uh, obviously New York, which is a tribute to the new coaching staff there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's – it's crazy because New York isn't – they aren't scoring a whole lot of points, um, and they aren't really shutting teams down, but they are very opportunistic on their defensive set, and they just find a way to close games out. And when it comes down to it, you can throw all the stats out the window um, if you are making plays at, in, at opportune times. And that's what the Giants are doing. They're just – you know, they're going out and they're being fundamental and they're making plays when they need to make them. Now, the Green Bay, probably the biggest disappointment because of the fact that they're on a four-game losing streak right now. They're one and four in their last five. You can see that uh, Aaron Rodgers, very frustrated. Pretty much the whole squad's frustrated. Um, so they they basically ha- have to save their season. The next The next two weeks are coming up. They have the big move that they got to make. Um, they got to start winning, otherwise, it's going to be a lost season for them. It, listen, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, but the problem is, is that his supporting cast—they just—they're just failing. And it's—it's it's a lot that goes into this that I don't really think people are understanding. They've lost their top three cornerbacks, and they've lost them for extended periods of time. They just got back Clay Matthews this this past week. He's been out with the hamstring injury. They didn't have any running backs for about four weeks. Uh, James Starks, he started the game uh, last week, and it's a reason why he's a backup in the NFL. He's just, you know, he's not he's not really a starter. Um, they just, they're, they're missing a lot of pieces. And then, you know, people come up and they say, well, man, uh, Ted Thompson, man, he didn't put that defense together. Well, the problem is this. They can't really replenish their ranks with free agents because there's not a lot of free agents that just want to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I mean, if you had your choice of going to Oakland or Denver or San Diego or Miami or New Orleans or Atlanta, New York City or Green Bay, Wisconsin, which one would you do? So, I mean, you know, they have to build through the draft. Because there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of free agents that want to come up around that area. So the Green Bay, they have to hit on their draft picks, and if they don't, you'll, I mean, they, you can start to see a long slide. Now, I just think that this year, because they're missing so many cornerbacks, 
Uh, and, you know, um, they just really haven't had a lot of great play, well, good play out of their backups. And you saw the Washington Redskins, just, they just torched them every which way you can look um, in their secondary. They just given up so many points this year. It would really be hard for this Green Bay Packers team to get on, on track unless they start to get some great play on that defensive side. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, go into the next week here, and what do we what are we going to look into? What what's the, the games that you're going to be looking for? The top three games for this coming week twelve. Well, you got the two early Thanksgiving Day games. Of course, you have you have the Minnesota Vikings. They're going into Detroit. Um, Detroit's been red hot. Um, they won two straight, but they've got their season back on track after starting one and four. I mean, one and three rather. And so they're looking to continue their climb. And they have a Vikings team who got back on track last week after beating the Cardinals. So you want to you want to say to yourself, you know, one of these teams are either going to continue their hot streak or they're going to kind of you know take a step back this week. And so that's going to be that's going to be huge for them. Um, of course, the other game is the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. When was the last time that you had this great rivalry? These teams are playing very well. Both of these teams are red hot. And, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of teams really don't want to play either one of those teams' offenses. For me, I just think who is going to make the plays on defense? Um, Dallas has played a lot better than the Redskins have on defense this year. So the Reds, but the, at the same time, the Redskins have been very opportunistic. They force a lot of turnovers. They're number two, they're number three in the NFL right now in sacking the quarterback, and that's a stat that really was kind of underreported. So you want to see if they can continue that that hot streak um, with both of these teams continuing that hot streak this year. And so it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a great shootout. And I'm really looking forward to watching that on Turkey Day. This is going to be a great weekend for football, man. And then, of course, you got the Sunday night game, Kansas City versus Denver. It's going to be in Denver. This is one of those games where you come back and say, AFC West, um, you know, matchup. I love that division. I just think that it's just, you know, classic football, man, when you think of that West Coast football, man. I just love to watch those teams play because they just don't like each other. Anytime any of those teams play, San Diego, Oakland, Denver, KC, I like to watch those teams play. You got two teams that are really solid on defense, and they try to play mistake-free football offense. Uh, so what you're going to look for is trying to figure out who's going to make that big mistake. I just think in this game, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City in this game. I just think that they're better equipped to play that type of football game. Awesome. So there's your picks there. Uh, we're looking forward to Thursday. I think Thursday is the big day. Um, everybody's going to be, you know, with the top two picks that you had on there, plus Sunday night. Very interesting. Got to see how the Packers kind of rebound at this point. Um, I believe they're playing Monday night, so we'll see how that works out for them. Um, let's go into the women's recap now. And we got playoffs in Australia. Um, at this point, two of the playoff matchups in Gridiron Queensland as well as in Gridiron, New South Wales. Um, you got uh, our no-joke football supporters, quarterback Lauren Evans, taking on our, our no-joke football supporter, running back 
Christy Moran. Uh, Troy, this is, these are the top two teams in Gridiron Queensland, and I broke it down this week because I had to take notes on it, but they have owned this uh, league since the inaugural season in 2000, I believe 2011, if my notes are right here. I mean, write it down here for you. Yeah, so they've owned this 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 uh, this league between the two squads. Um, so now it's like uh, the inaugural championship, the Summer Bowl, was the Summer Bowl one, which was in 2012. The Jets won 38 to 20 against the Kenmore Panthers. Kenmore no longer in the league at this point. Then in uh, Summer Bowl two, the uh, Gold Coast Stingrays, uh, they beat the Jets 12 to eight in a very close contest. Back in 2013, then the Jets come back the year after, and they go ahead and beat the Rays six to zero on a late touchdown to claim the championship. And that's in 2014. Last year, the Rays took care of Bayside, which was uh, the story of the year, which was the Bayside Ravens last year uh, in 2015. And so the Rays took care of uh, the Ravens 20 to eight. So this is going to be uh, Summer Bowl five. It's pretty historic for the uh, Gold Coast Stingrays uh, club, uh, both their men and juniors teams, uh, as well as their women's team. They're going for back-to-back titles in terms of a club setting. So that's very impressive, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when going nine and zero and, and just one draw, and they're scoring a lot of points and not laughing. Not allowing anyone to not allow too many people to score on them. Had ten games and you only allowed sixty points. That's saying something, man. Yeah, and, and this is a big rivalry because these are the top two teams in this league uh, historically, basically based on what I just said here. You're looking at the Jets winning Summer Bowl one, then the then the uh, the Stingrays come back and and Summer Bowl two and win and beat the Jets. On top of that, then you got the Jets rebounding the the year after to take the title back after the loss of 12 to eight on 2013. So they rebound and get the, get the win. Then uh, the Rays, after a, a loss six to zero in 2014, they go ahead and rebound and make it back to the championship 20 to eight to beat the Ravens. So now it's a rematch of who's going to get that third ring. That's really about who's going to get the third championship in this league and be historic about it. So uh, the Rays looking for the third the third championship, uh, Logan City uh, Jets, they're looking for their third crown at this point. The Rays would be the first back-to-back champions in Gridiron Queensland history if they win. This is going to be November 26. It will be live stream, uh, live on live stream. And, uh, it's going to be live. So we'll have the link as well as on our Facebook page as well. So Troy, these are two top teams in this in this in this uh, a league. Uh, Christy, pretty much sort of like Walter Payton and, you know, um, a lot of moves, really swift, very, very intense type of runner. Uh, you got Lauren, who uh, is really good in terms of commanding the offense there. You got Kanisha Sims on defense, another one of our No Joe Crowfer supporters. Um, the Rays, based on their stats right now, Troy, uh, pretty, you would think that this would be the team that they got to win it, but but Logan City has played them tough. Um, the Rays started off the season 102-0 to versus the lonely Brisbane Saints. I don't know if you remember that score when we talked about it. So 
So they put up the most points pretty much in the league, 102 to zero. So that says something about them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, you know, anytime you see somebody get it put on them like that, man, you got to take notice to Now, you got the standings that we talked about. Uh, the final standings in Great Iron Queensland was the Go Coast uh, Stingrays 9-0-1. Uh, their only draw was versus the Jets in a 22-22 battle. So, Troy, uh, if you're going into this game, this is for all the marbles. You understand that your opponent across from you is almost equally, if not as good as you are, and it is a battle in the regular season when they face each other. This was a draw. What do you take away from that if you walked away with a draw? Well, the thing that you take away is that both teams know that the other one you could compete with and that it's going to come down to the fundamentals at that point. It's going to come down to the leadership. It's going to come down to limiting your mistakes. Who's going to make that key mistake in that key moment? And, you know, you just make sure it's not you. And, you know, that's football, man. I mean, so both of these teams know that, listen, you know, when it comes down to it, that team that's across the way, we can deal with them. We can deal with them. If we play our game, we can come out with the win as long as we execute and, and you know, uh, and, and limit that stupid mistake that you see a lot of times where, you know, you, you'll see a fumble here or someone jumping off sides, you limit the penalties. If you can do those things, you know it's a possibility to come out. And then not to mention, since it is in the playoffs, there is no ties. So we're going, we're going to do this until we get it right, and until somebody scores, until, you know, uh, somebody's got to walk away with the trophy. There's no, this is not going to be any ties at this point. Yeah, that's a, that's the key right there is that, you know, they're going to have to go to overtime if, if needed as well. So, um, you know, so Lauren and Christy facing each other, both of our Noja Popo supporters, pretty exciting for us as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of pride on the line here. Gold Coast going for back-to-back championships. It would be historic in uh, Gridiron Queensland at this point. Logan City is going for th- the, their third championship. Uh, in about a five-year span, so uh, that's also historic. So, Troy, which which one's going to be the better one, making the back-to-back moment happen or the Logan City winning three in 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 the league? Oh man, I, it's tough because you know you can always say you know we've had the most titles, but then that back-to-back that just says consistent dominance. Uh, I think I would go with consistent dominance, man. I think I would go with the back-to-back would be better. Yeah, I, mean, I just think uh, if you have back-to-back, not only are you the champions, but you are still the champions from the, the previous year before. And so now you start thinking about three-peat and, you know, you start trying to make history and, 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 and thinking in that nature. So I would say, yeah, back-to-back would be better. Yeah, and guess what? A bonus for them is, they get back-to-back championships if they accomplish this, and then they would also get the the only team to win three championships in Great Iron Queensland. So that's just the icing on the cake right there. I like icing, and I like cake, man. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so, you know, Gold Coast kind of the in the same equivalent as maybe uh, the, South, the South Cotoon Valkyries of the Western, Western Canadian uh, Championship, uh, you know, Western Canadian Football League which they've owned that, that league. 
So we're looking at the Rays to make historic uh, a historic moment for them is back-to-back championships and three and at, at the third uh, crown for them in Greater and Greater in Queensland. Or are we going to see, like I said, the Jets uh, disappoint the Stingrays once again, which which they did back in 2014 and edged them out six to zero. It was a very tough defensive contest in 2014. So I expect no less. Might be low scoring at this point, and it looks like it's probably going to be the case, uh, given the fact that they know each other very well. So very exciting times in Queensland. It's going to be November 26th, and you are going to get to see it uh, via livestream.com. And you can go to our Facebook page and the Great Iron Queensland as well. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook, Great Iron Queensland, and they have the feed and the live feed. It's going to be 2 p.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and you're going to get to see the uh, Lauren Evans-led Go Coast Stingrays taking on the Logan City Jets and the mighty burster Christy Moran. So uh, pretty exciting. So, Troy, if you don't, uh, the link's going to be on our Facebook page. You can check it out on that day. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a replay as well, but we're going to check it out live, and we're going to try to feed it out as much as we can. So final standings in Grand Queensland. It's going to be Ray, Rays 9-0-1, 19 points accumulated there. Jets 8-0-2. The only draw, as we said, was back in October against the Rays, and they had 18 points there. The Bayside Ravens finished 6-3-1. and The story of 2015 was the Bayside Ravens, and we've got to give them their hats off. They are – uh, third place, and they've maintained their first two years in existence, have been once to the final, and then this past year finished third, which is 6-3-1. and one. So you got to give them their props. Very, very good team out there in Bayside. Uh, Thunder, Griffith Thunder, surprising team of the year. They brand-new inaugural team, 5-5. They finished the, uh, the season at 500, uh, so congratulations to them. But very good players out there, as well as uh, Aurora Tulak, which is one of our no joke football supporters out there. Um, so great job there. The Spartans, uh, four and six, that's what they finished their, their season on. So com- very competitive in that aspect too with the Spartans. So hats off to them. And then we have the bottom of the totem pole. A lot of work to be done in Brisbane. Uh, the Brisbane Saints, 0 and 10. Um, the Raptors and Morton, 1 and 9. Troy, what do you do as a coach? 0 and 10. Obviously, you, you know, you had to face co- very tough competition. Injuries is on top of all that. So you got to kind of like go back to the drawing board, I guess, right, for the bottom two squads. Well, the first thing you say is that we can't get any worse. Uh, so, you know, you you can go nowhere but up at this point. And you know what? There's there's a calmness to that. There's a calmness to know that, you know what, we can start with a clean slate. I can pretty much just, you know, kind of do things my way at this point because it can't get any worse than what it is. And so you can, you know, start from scratch, start from zero, and try to change the mindset of some of the players that you feel like you can salvage up there. Now, the other uh, uh, league is Great Iron New South Wales, and that's going to take uh, the the Raiders taking on Northwestern Phoenix, and that's going to be on December 3rd, and that's going to be for the Opal Bowl. Uh, UNSW Raiders taking on Northwestern Phoenix, um, that's going to be at the uh, Learhard uh, Oval in Mary, Mary State, Lil, uh, in Lilyville, North South, North North uh, Southwest uh, NSW, at 2 p.m. The Raiders finished the, the season 8-0 undefeated, 222 and 36, only giving up 36 points, 16 points total. Phoenix finishes 4-4, four and four, 127 to 102. Um, there and then the Gators 3-1 and 4. 
as well as Newcastle, who actually forfeited the last uh, couple weeks of the season based on injuries and lack of personnel. So we're looking at the rematch here in the championship for the Opal Bowl. Uh, Northwestern Phoenix has won the championship also in this in this league. Um, and so the Raiders looking for back-to-back titles, just like the Rays are. Uh, October 8th, that was week six, the Phoenix two, uh, beat, get beat by the Raiders 6-2. to two. In round eight, week eight, October 22nd, the Phoenix, uh, once again, defeated by the Raiders 38-14. to 14. And then uh, week 11, of November 12th, uh, Phoenix fall to the Raiders 22-20. to 20. So, Troy, progression by the Phoenix almost at every step of the way. The first game, they get beat 6-2 to two in a defensive battle. The second matchup, 38-14, to 14, sort of a, an offensive onslaught. And then the week before this, uh, the playoffs started here, 22-20, uh, to 20, uh, that was in the semis. Uh, and they, the, only, the only reason they get into the playoffs in the final is because of the better record. But 22-2, uh, to two, they lose to the Raiders by two points. So if you're Phoenix, you're coming in here knowing this is for all the marbles and you've been here before in terms of a club setting. So you really want to – up, you know, you want to really uh, beat the Raiders here because they're looking to make history as well, back-to-back champions, just like the Rays in Queensland. Yeah, and any time that, man, I mean, it's not sweeter than trying to spoil somebody's plans. And so both of those teams are looking at it that way. Um, it, it's, of course, you want to win also, but you also want to, you know, bring a little bit of heartache to the other side of the squad, man. There's nothing like watching your team, the other team walk off the field with their head hung low and some tears flowing. It just makes you feel good when you when you, when you watch that. <laughs> a little sadistic, but it's the truth. It is. Um, but it wouldn't have, that, that's a big story, right? A four and four, even 500 squad, and then an undefeated team. This is, this is almost in that same motion as remember when the, when the Patriots won, they went almost 18 and 18 and 0. They thought they were going to be completely taken care of. And then all of a sudden they lose at the end. Yeah, you got that Cinderella story, and everybody likes them. You know, they, they love the underdog. And so, you know, anytime you see an underdog team like that, that, that kind of comes to prominence like that, everyone's starting to take notice in that league. The only, the only problem for New, uh, Northwestern, uh, the Northwestern uh, uh, Phoenix is that they have given up a lot of points. Um, so they've played defensively really well the first matchup. The, set, the last matchup before this final matchup here, uh, they obviously played neck and neck. But that game uh, in uh, week eight, 38 to 14, um, I don't know if they just didn't come to play or what happened, but the last, you know, the first and the third matchup, they've played pretty well. So the expectation is obviously the Phoenix, uh, you know, if they win this, very nice for them, like you said, Troy, because they're four and four, and if they can pull the big win at the end, that says a lot about their, you know, tenacity and their focus and everything. For the Raiders, I mean, this is this is this should be a shoe in, right? This should be like guarantee. This should be like no big deal. Just go in there and take care of business because you've beaten them three three times. This would be fourth time, but it won't be that easy. Right, and you know they should know that. You know, especially since that you know the, the you know they're coming on like that. So I mean, you never want to take another team lightly. And because you never know when that dog can come up and bite you, you know. So yeah, they they can't come in there overconfident, and and if they do, I mean that's that's the times where you end up getting your heart broken. All right, so Lexfa action happening. Uh, we got one more week left in Lexfa, Mexico. 
week six. Uh, it's gonna uh, was basically um, November 12, uh, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Harlequin 22 to 12 over Vaqueras. Uh, the Legionnaires 36 to 14 over Centuros. Uh, 48 to 13 the Vaqueros Quasilco take care of the Frailes. Uh, the 30, 38 to 14, the Jets take on, take care of the Niners. Uh, the Dolphin, the Black Dolphins, lose 20, uh, 32 to 27 to the Avengers. The Jaguars win 42 to zero versus the Gladiators. And like I said, they got to change their name. This is just not working out for them this whole season. Just adds that name. You know, there's just unless they improve on it, it's not going to happen. Um, then you got the Eagles 21 to, versus High Voltage, and then Cardinals 28 to 12. So the standing so far at this point, um, pretty pretty much the, the top teams in the last two weeks. But we go into week seven. Um, I don't expect the, lead, uh, the Gladiators to beat high voltage. And so we got Jets taking on Vaqueras, Niners taking on Jaguars, Fraley's taking on Black Dolphins, Val- Valkyries taking on Legionnaires, Eagles taking on Centuros, the Avengers taking on Vaqueros or Kilko, and uh, Harley Quinn taking on the Angels. So the standings right here, and let me look those up right now. We got Division One on the Division One standings here. You got Vaquero Shilko, Division One owning at five zero and zero. You got the Niners right behind them at three zero and two. You got the Jets three zero and two. You got Black Dolphins three zero and two. So top heat there. The Niners, Jets, and Black Dolphins fighting for second spot in a playoff positioning. Vaquero Shilko already have it in in hand at this point. And then in Division Two, it is a dogfight. 4-0-1, the Legionnaires. The Jaguars are 4-0-1. The Valkyries 4-0-1. Centurios 3-2. Harlequin 3-2. Um, so it doesn't get any better than that. Neck and neck at this point. Last week of the season, and then the playoffs start. So you can go to arenafootball.com.mx, and you can get the latest information there under the Feminil tab for Lexa. And uh, congratulations, Alexa, for being featured by uh, Myra Moreno out of ABC 13 out of Houston. And you can see that uh, feature on our Facebook page as well. Um, you can go to the Zazzle shop as well and uh, get your stuff there, zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties. You can always catch our replays on the ultimatesportstalk.com. So for uh, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, uh, we will catch you here next week as we we – as we get to the uh, college playoff weekend, week 13, huge, huge, and then the NFL week uh, 12. So thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, sorry for all the technical issues today, but uh, we'll get back next Tuesday right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody.